Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox, and welcome to my podcast, Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. My guest is an actress who you've seen in hit movies, Hustle and Flow, Crazy Beautiful, Eight Mile, and Crossroads. You've seen her recently in the critically acclaimed Netflix show, Orange is the New Black, where she plays Tiffany Pensatucky. I love that name. <laughs> While she often plays a troubled young woman or a troublemaker, you're about to find out why she's so much more. And if her acting skills weren't enough, she's also an accomplished singer. Please welcome the multi-talented Taryn Manning. Hey, Taryn. <laughs> Woo, what's up? Thank you for that. That was good, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was quite the intro. <laughs> Who is that girl you talk of? I'd like to meet her. That girl is you, mama. <laughs> so listen, girl, the world is a little bit crazy right now with all of this coronavirus. Um, right. How has Corona Corona affected your hustle? Oh, man. Um, it hasn't affected my hustle. I, you know, obviously the business, I, you know, you probably know, but it's, it's shut down for now. And and that's been, you know, that's been challenging just because I'm, I love to work and, and it's so fun to work, but I'm, you know, after the initial shock and just the, you know, trying to find toilet paper and <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was up with that? I swear to God. I don't know. And then can I tell you this? It's crazy how like sometimes like it's a certain time of like either the week <laughs> or the month that you'll go like, okay, trying to restock. And you're like, what the hell is all the damn toilet paper? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you find yourself like, I kind of got to go, but do I wait? Like, do I, do I need to wait? <laughs> yes. Or when I go and then wait a minute, don't go there and try to get too many. Cause they yeah. let you know, listen, uh, per household is one or two. Cause one day I went, I liked these hand wipes and I got uh -huh. three. And then I didn't know there was a limit on the damn hand wipes and ladies. Oh like, yeah. Oh ma'am. I'm sorry. Um, you can only get, and I was like, really? You can take I mean, one just, out of the package, just one cloth. You're like, what? <laughs> yes. But you know what? I'm a stock queen. I've always been the kind. I Me hate too. to run out of stuff. You I, know? I'm the same way. I, yeah. I, I'm, I live all alone. And you think I had like nine kids. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, the worst is just when you go to get something and it's not there. Yeah. So I was like, I was a little bit prepared to be honest just because of my natural tendencies mm -hmm. but yeah so but once I got over like you know not being able to find Lysol and just being like who who are we like what's happening um I've, I've really started to like buckle down and I mean obviously like you know you know you you know you kind of like the downtime it's like what do you mean we got to go back to work one day? <laughs> uh, well, like, I'm going to tell you, I am such type A personality that, yeah. okay, at first it was cool. I'm not going to lie. Right. At first two weeks, I was like, dope. Like, I'm going to McDonald's. Yeah. I'm eating filet of fish. <laughs> I'm eating, uh, I'm stuffing down Oreo milkshakes, all, right. all the stuff. I'm not watching my weight. And then right. it was kind of like, well, sooner or later, we're going to go back to work. So I had to cut it off. And right. then I got, a, I got a little fluffy and I didn't like that. Now, the both of us have worked with the very talented and complex Terrence Howard. I oh, love boy. me oh, some Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we love you mean Terrence. the mathematician geometry wizard? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, please don't bore me with another. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Because you know what? What you love about Terrence? Terrence is 
we worked together on Empire. We also did a film back in the day in the uh, called The Salon. And can yeah. I tell you, when we worked together on The Salon to now mm-hmm. Empire, I mean, of course, he was a much bigger star when he did Empire, when we but, did Empire. But he, Terrence was always complex and he mm-hmm. always had his yeah. way of looking at life. So yep. the fact that he got to play, you know, Lucius, who kind of looked at life through his own rose glasses, you right. know, Terrence has always been different. Very unique. Yeah, very unique. Now, what was your experience working like with him? Because you guys worked together on Hustle and Flow. We all had a blast, to be honest. That whole damn cast, Anthony Anderson, Taraji, um, Terrence, DJ Qualls. I mean, it was like, uh, it was amazing. Did you guys have any idea when you were making Hustle and Flow what a cult classic it was going to become? No. I mean, well, wait, hold on a second. I I digress. Um, I will say that you, you know you've had many table reads, right? Obviously, yes. they can sometimes be such a like bump on a log where you're like, oh man, like it's just not coming off the page, or you're just literally like the actors are just you know going through the motions, hearing it out loud. I will say that this table read, this is when John Singleton was alive as well. Yeah. Um, so it was John Singleton and Craig Brewer. They were kind of like. So co-directing, co-producing and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was the most hyped up um, table read. I mean, there were tears, there was yelling, there was, you know, people getting up out of their seats. Like it, it really felt, I will say that at, that at the end of that table read, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, you've been hustling for a while, girl. You matter of fact, mm-hmm. you've been hustling since you was 13, but mm-hmm. you lied and said you was 15, right? <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> You've been doing your research. Um, yeah. So basically, I grew up pretty, you know, I grew up in Section 8 housing, and I grew up in a trailer park home, but it wasn't because my mom or dad were druggies or anything. It was just, we were just poor. So, but I, but I mean... I wouldn't have it any other way. I had such an amazing childhood. You told people you were 15, but you were actually 13? Yeah. So basically my point was like, I had champagne taste on a beer budget. So anything that the other girls had, like um, if they had guests, a spree, um, kids, I I wanted that, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, like we couldn't afford it. So my mom like would make me like triangles upside down for guests. And then she got me like a blue Sharpie so I could make the little square on the back of my like Kmart, you know, like Keds, but like if from far it looked like Keds because there was the little blue um, square in the back there. But but anyway, so when I started to make a lot of friends at 13, you know, I was wanting to be dropped off down. Then I moved to um, Arizona and then we moved to California just to okay. quickly. So when I moved to California, like that's like when my life began. I made all these friends and I wanted to go to the movies. I wanted to do everything they were doing. And my mom was like, you know, if you want to be hanging out with your friends all the time, you need to get a job or make your own money. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I figured out how there was like this brand new coffee shop right next door to our apartment building. And I just went in there and like badgered them every day. Like, I want to work here. I want to work here. I want to work mm. here. And eventually they, they caved in and I worked there. I love it. <laughs> and they said they knew at the end of like the run that I was much younger 
because I really did look like a small boy at 13. But, um, but they thought I was just such a hard worker. But the point was, is that I've never asked my mom for another dollar from that day forward. I've always made my own money. I've always figured out how to make money. Everything I have is built from the ground up. And I'm very proud of that. Um, you know, no, um, I feel like I've been marginalized as an actor because I did come from such, uh, like, uh, humble beginnings. Yeah. And I, yeah. I shared that early on, you know, and I shared about my father committing suicide. And I think that I was mm. sort of like, put into a, into a box of like, yeah, she's lucky to even make money. So it's, it's fine. Like I've never been a high paid actress, but I'm a working actress and I value that. Um, now just, I'm so grateful because it's so hard as you know, to get in. So I'm just grateful. I want to tell everybody about like your journey. So you came to LA as a backup dancer and then you even went on tour for that. I went on tour when I was in 11th grade. My mom let me go out on tour um, with this, you know, pretty B-level singer at the time. But my mom was always very, very supportive of my singing, dancing and acting. My academics, she wasn't as much, though Mm -hmm. I wish she would have been. But I mean, as long as I was practicing my plies, my singing lessons and, you know, that's the point. She always somehow figured she she sacrificed everything for me basically but she wasn't a stage mom like you wouldn't catch her at an audition like curling my hair or anything what Um, kind of what kind of a dancer were you um I was actually um I was like highly trained in ballet and jazz and I was even accepted into Juilliard yeah Uh I never thought about you I know a lot of people don't and it's okay though because that was the big choice and the crossroads in my life where I chose to instead to move to Hollywood um, when I was 18 and give it a shot. So, okay. and not, and not be go to Juilliard because I started thinking what, what happens to a professional ballerina when they're done doing that? And it's like, yeah, they become a dance teacher. So, and that mm. just didn't, that wasn't enough for me. Okay. So you also had a chance encounter at a restaurant that sparked your acting career. Tell us about that. Yeah. So when I moved to LA, you know, I really like, you know, there's a magazine called Backstage West that I would scour. Mm-hmm. There's a, a bookstore called um, yep. Samuel Samuel French that I would just spend hours in. And, and so I was just always like, you know, moving and shaking and just doing everything I could because I knew nobody. You know, I just really, my mom drove me up and we found a tiny little apartment for two fifty a month, sharing it with some random girl from Canada. Hmm. Um so, and it was so hard for me to make that 250, but, um, anyway, I met a guy an older, a little bit older than me and he was famous actor and, um, he kind of had a crush on me, I guess. So he took me to a dinner with him and his manager. And I think his manager just got a kick out of me. Cause I just kind of just didn't care about much. I was just like, like, you okay, can, I was probably putting out the energy. Like, why am I here? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I, was, I was young, you know, and, and he liked that my attitude. And, um, he said, you know, I have this junior manager at the company was untitled. Um, I have this junior manager that I'd love for you to meet. And, and he was addressing me and I sort of looked at my friend and he's like, yeah, you can meet him. And so I met this young junior manager two days later and he signed me like right on the spot. And it was amazing. Like, and then, and then um, shortly after I was still dancing and, and I was still, you know, starting my band with my brother and playing guitar and making an album, um, just hustling, doing just anything I could get my, my hands on. And then I signed with um, this gentleman named Scott Carp. And then we had a 10 year journey together. And that's when I did like some of my most memorable films and TV and just signed with DreamWorks records toured the world two times. Like 
I just, I've had a blast, you know, I've had a really neat, versatile career. Okay. So one of the first things that you booked that was really big was the practice, right? Yeah. I did a guest star role. Ah. Yeah. Just one role, you know, just a one, one off, but. But it was like, you were, you were just booking jobs back to back to back because your story reminds me a lot of mine. It's like, you know, when you're young and it's like, you, you start, you're like the fresh kid on the block. It's like all of a sudden you're like knocking on doors, auditioning, auditioning. And then all of a sudden you start booking everything. And it's like, oh yeah. my God, really? You know, it's like gambling for the first time in Vegas. You're like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, uh oh, no. Yeah. Well, you know how it was like, you brought like, there is that thing in the, in the youth is wasting on the young because there's that fearlessness that you just don't yeah. see, you don't hear it. You don't see it. You're going to do what you want, how you're going to do it. And it's going to happen in the eye of the tiger, you know? Yeah, I mean, but you've got some pretty good shows. I mean, on your resume. Okay. Let's just keep Thank that you. real. I mean, it, it, it sometimes it takes people to work up to like get you know because I think sometimes it's like when you don't care and then you're like oh okay and then it falls in your lap and it's like but you've always been a hard worker oh, it didn't anyway. fall in my lap it didn't fall into my lap I mean the, mm-hmm. there was a time where I used to save all my audition scripts I put them up in the you know how on the top of your closet you have like that shelf typically yeah so I had like all these scripts, I mean, hundreds. And I had one little stack on the very left that were like the colored pages when you get the part. Mm-hmm. And my, I remember my mom came to visit me in LA and she saw that and she, she loves to tell the story because it really became very tangible for her that moment. She goes, wow. So all those white ones, all those, all those, all those, all those, all rejection, all rejection, all yeah. rejection. Yeah. And that one little stack right there is the parts I got, but make it all worth it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I see, that's something that I want to share with our listeners out there. Like, uh-huh. you know, you guys, they, they get to see us, you see the magazines and right. the work and the red carpets and the third, but well, you don't have any ideas how many times we hear no compared to how many oh times you hear yes, especially when you're starting off as an actor. Like you just mm-hmm. have to like, go, okay, if you don't get a call back, you just keep it moving. What's next? Or then you get a call back. And then how about this? When you get three, four, five callbacks and oh, you're like, I'm going to get it. And it's down to you and another person. Yes, and then all of a sudden they like it. give it to a name uh-huh. and they come in there like, oh, such and such had a bigger name than you. You're like, but you, they didn't even audition. Oh, like, yeah. I've been, I've been let go because the, the budget got more money and then they, they decided to clean a house and get, you know, new TV stars. Guess what? That movie went nowhere. So mm. when you start doing that kind of stuff too and treating people that way, you know, there is a cause and effect of these types of decisions. So you have to just hold in your heart that, you know, for every, this is so cliche, but I'm going to go here for every, for every door that closes, one opens. And, and furthermore, when you're embarking into the world of uncertainty, you need to, you need to a hundred percent embrace it and, and know that you literally signed up for an unstable life of uncertainty mm, wow and it, right because I, I had to do therapy about this so she'd go well what else are you gonna do Taryn I'd be like I don't know I don't nothing <laughs> there's nothing else like I, I feel like I can do so then you need to embrace uncertainty and just completely throw it up just like you did your best hopefully you did your best you were prepared mm-hmm. you know it's like what preparation and luck meet is what is that saying it's the opportunity comes when luck and preparedness come together and you know, and just look great, feel great. And then always I say to people, have hobbies that you truly, like if you can play music, freaking play. If you can paint, just make sure you're also funneling all that energy somewhere else because it's the thing that we hold on to the tightest that slips through our hands. 
can I tell you that my acting coach used to always tell me, um, Sheila Wills, who is still a very good friend of mine to this day, she used to always tell me what's meant for you mm-hmm. is yours. Nice. So always stay ready. Always, nice. put, always put, when you go in, put your best foot forward. But what is meant for you is yours. If it gets someone else gets it, don't get mad. Just know what's meant for yours. Nobody else can take it. And I pass that on to other young actors who are like, oh my God, I'm out there. I'm auditioning so much and I'm not getting things, you know, that I'm like, but baby, stay ready. Keep knocking on those doors because when it's your turn, it's going to be your turn. Turn. And also a great way to look at it too is that, because this has happened to me is like, don't forget that if you go in there and use every opportunity as a, as a performance stage, that all the people in that room all saw what you can do, though they might have picked the other person. Don't think there's not other roles out there that could pop up. And they're going exactly. to exactly. What about the girl that just killed it? You know, yes. yeah. So you just yes, casting directors remember you. They do. That's right. So yeah. always put your best face for it. Now. I want to move on because, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little thing where you've worked with some amazing people. And I want you to just give me like, say a couple of words, three words that describes your experience working with some people. I mean, like I said, you work, you've worked with some heavyweights here. Okay. Uh, you worked on Crossroads with Britney Spears. What was that experience like? Um, okay. That was, um, that was exciting. Mm-hmm. It was surreal and it was uh, rewarding. All right. You also worked with Terrence Howard on Hustle and Flow. What three words would describe that experience? That was emotional, bizarre, (laughs) and exhilarating. Okay. You also worked (laughs) with Brittany Murphy on 8 Mile. That one was, because also Eminem too, like that was, uh, that was, um, Oh, I was going to mention him too, but we're going to stick with okay, Brittany okay. for right now. All right. Oh, oh man. So magical, um, uh-huh. delightful, and just quirky. All right. Working with Eminem, what was that like on 8 Mile? Starstruck, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nervous, and, 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 and excited. All right. You also worked with Katie Seagal on Sons mm. of Anarchy. What was that like? Oh, um, intimidating. Mm. Um, strict, <gasps> loving. Okay, now that one we gonna have to go into. So you said working with Katie Sidgall was strict, mm-hmm. loving, and, and what was the other word? Intimidating. And intimidating. Tell yeah. me why. Tell me why. Well, okay. So she's she's wonderful. Um, she was very nice to me. Um, we're both singers, so she really we really got along about that. She loved to talk about her band and stuff. So we had a common ground there. Um, her husband's Kurt Sutter that wrote the show Sons of Anarchy and that and they're together and you know she's like 20 years sober so a lot of times when um and I and I admire that it's incredible especially someone overcome what she did and him too but you know there's just a there's a strictness about him it's uh, so I felt like I wanted to always be obedient around her be Mm. right on time right out of my trailer always know my lines like you know what I mean never fudge like never have a hiccup just that she demands respect. I can't really, she's a diva like in the best way. Like she's all diva and she's, you know, to think that she was um, Peggy Bundy too. I was going to say that because <laughs> that, you know, when I saw Katie Seagal and then I was like, sounds of anarchy. I was like, I right? couldn't, couldn't the two, but I love her. I think her I mean, presence and how she was an able to play Peg Bundy, Peg right? Bundy and make you believe it. And then you would hear an interview with her talking and it was like, 
wait a minute, you're totally different. Mm -hmm. So it's good to hear that she was so professional on point Mm -hmm. and demanded that on the set. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. And like, I mean, what talk about like a completely different character and just obviously nailed Peggy Bunny nailed, um, blanket on the character's name, but her role in Sons of Anarchy. I mean, she was incredible. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that about that. I'd love to work with her one day. So now let's move on to who, honey, orange is the new black child, honey. New black was was quite the experience, y'all. So hold on to mm-hmm. your hands, y'all. Okay, because we're gonna get into her playing <laughs> Tiffany Pensatucky. First of all, who the hell came up with that name? I don't know. And there's also <laughs> Doggett. There's like she's got like 90 million nicknames. Hilarious. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now you were cast in Orange is the New Black because you had gotten into some trouble and went to jail. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got. Yep, I, I did. Well, I don't okay, know. Tell me about that. Tell, come on now, because I, I want to merge that. Because when I when I, when they when they informed me of that one, I said, no, wait a minute. She got in trouble, went it's to jail, but then it's came a- out, and they was like, she's perfect for oranges in right? the black. I'm like, <laughs> swing. Uh, it's a theory. So like, basically, yeah, I, I got. I found myself into a little bit of trouble. I was like, I don't know. It was a bad night. Um, I paid dearly for it. I learned a big lesson. That part, you know, does not, doesn't it happen. Really, it does happen. And, you know, that's, it's very important. And that's the thing, like, well, that's the thing I'll get there actually, but you know, these types of, this is how you can end up in jail is just these moments of like red, you just see red and it's just so not worth it. But yeah. you know, that's why a lot of people that are in jail, just having a bad night, you know, just one bad night that went choices. terribly wrong. Right. Yeah. Choices. Exactly. Um, so my theory, and this is, this would only come after, you know, I got the parks, I got the offer and I, I figured because it was such a small part at first, it was like only a couple of lines here and there, maybe like four pages total, but with just very little dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I was having a tough time. Well, I, it's funny because both auditions I went on after I got out, I was so emotional and just so raw that I, I booked both of them, but I was dropped from both of them once they <gasps> discovered my situation I had just been in. Oh, wow. So, so I was really feeling down, but I surrendered. I had, I realized like I surrendered, you know, I believe in God very much. This is probably when it really kicked in, but um, mm-hmm. like I surrendered and I said, I understand God. Like I, I, and I cried of happiness because it's like, I understood that I made a mistake in that, in that, it was going to take time to rebuild and, and mm-hmm. just to surrender and, and, you know, be forgiven. And, um, it changed my life really, to be honest with you. Um, Matter of fact, you went completely method to get into character, right? Yeah. Oh man. That, yeah. That, that girl's nutball for sure. I went into <laughs> character. Absolutely. As I was walking the streets of New York here and there, um, you know, throughout the like first two seasons, several girls came up to me and were like, Oh my God, I auditioned for Pennsylvania. I never knew that they had auditions for her because I, I had just gotten the offer. Mm. So I'm like, how crazy I get out of jail. And about one week later I get, and I'm playing a freaking prisoner, an awful prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that works in mysterious ways. Doesn't he? Yeah, life imitating art. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically I read it and I'm, I was pretty horrified. I was like, oh man, she is, she's a real, a real winner. <laughs> you know I mean? Mm. She's, she was racist. She was um, like basically like a Christian bigot. Like she, she was the, the 
antithesis of God. She was the exact opposite of everything godly, though she preached God all the time. Mm. Um, and she was, uh, um, you know, she was anti-gay. And so it's not like I went on that set making friends right away. I mean, you know, it's like, sorry about that. But I couldn't, I couldn't be. I had to just stay. A lot of people didn't even know, like, it was me. Or, I mean, I had these awful teeth on. Yep. <laughs> I, listen, um, sidebar real quick, girl. First time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. Wow. What yeah, did they do to Taryn? Poor soul. Yeah. Who is that disgusting human being? And and that's how I felt, you know, it was, it was really hard. Like at night I'd go home and just be like, it was hard to shake it, you know, that that yeah. person was just awful. And can I explain that to people out there that sometimes like when you play characters, it's hard to turn it off when they yeah. get cut, you know? Mm-hmm. So how did you figure out how to finally turn it off? And like, okay. I remember the day that I got, I felt really hurt because I'd always gone on to sets and I've always been very friendly and, and, you know, and, I, and I've, and that's been met with adversity a lot. You know, everybody's so different. You know, some people want to make pals. Some people don't. don't. <laughs> okay. And it's like, sometimes I get the vibes of like, like, I remember I was doing um, a movie with uh, Taylor Hackford and, and Helen Mirren, and it was called Love Ranch. And it was like a bunch of, a bunch of awesome actresses. But one of them, I'm not going to say names, was legitimately a camera hog. So it's like when you're making a movie, like there's a frame and, and we all have marks, but this person just wanted to get in, get in the whole frame, just have her mug up in the whole thing. And so it's like, and that was, you know, there's all these different personalities we work with, but I must say this, that on Orange, the amount of love and lovingness on that set and just to, like, you could tell, like God brought together like the perfect little storm of individuals to, to cause such a, you know, like when the stars align, the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and so, so I have just nothing but positive things to say. I mean, my own personal experience through that time mm-hmm. is, is it's isolated from like the experience on set and the wonderfulness of that. Like me transplanting to New York was tough for me and like things I was going through personally with, um, you know, someone that became very obsessed with the show and the character that I had to de- deal with for many, many years, very devastating, but just, you know, there's that part of it, but no one, no one even knew on set I was dealing with all that. You know, mm. now we had a blast. How many years was the show on? Uh, we did seven seasons, so it was like almost like six and a half years. You guys filmed the show in New York. Yeah, we were in New York, and you had been like Miss LA for the longest time. What was that transition going <laughs> from basically working on the West Coast to the East Coast? Yeah, that was that was um, well. I, I'd obviously been in New York several times for you know, movies, one-offs, you know, interviews, you know, the drill, but yeah, to move there and, you know, try to find an apartment and like, um, but then also the thing, the thing that was the most frustrating, I would say about that particular, cause you know, it's on six months off six months was, I don't know what, what the strategy was behind this, but we never knew individually if we were ever going to be invited back the next season. Ooh. So we could never really plan. Like, like I, if I had a lease, I, I would, you know, it would sit completely empty for six months. And then, it, you know, just there, there was a lot of money was wasted and that's annoying, but. but <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because I, mean, I know what you're talking about. Cause that's how I feel when yeah. we do an empire because we feel oh, really? Chicago. Yeah. Oh, so and you then had it, it, 
the yeah, they made there me, and all that. Well, yeah. they made me a series regular and they're like, oh, you got to get an apartment and this yep. and the third. And then it was kind of like you said, it was like on, off, on, off. I was like, I just got an apartment and I was only here two days. You know what I mean? I so I oh, get wow. that, that whole balance, you know? What lessons did you take away from that experience? Oh my goodness. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's an awesome question. Um, cause it, cause there's a lot of, um, not regrets, but yes, if cause no regrets in life, but like, I think, I think what I should, in retrospect, um, <laughs> I, I wish, I wish honestly in retrospect, I wish I would have had a roommate. Like I wish I would have just not been so used to being in a nice apartment by myself and lamp and like that. Like, I should have gotten a roommate that would always be there within each season and just plan it with him or her when I would be coming back, you know, and Hmm. sort of have that like, yeah, just stuff like that because I would always come back to LA anyway um, on that six months or I'd go off and do a couple of movies. So just, um, that's the thing is sometimes with these shows and, and you just talked about it, like we get kind of thrown into things so quickly and we're meant to just sink or swim, sink or swim. Yeah. And it's like a constant adrenal fatigue. And so you just end up like, fine, I'll just pay a couple more of this, you know, every month, you know, just, just to make, you know, make my life more simple. Now you say that it's hard for your fans to separate your roles from who you are in real life. Why do you say that? Um, I say that because I say that because, um, sometimes I feel like, well, it's more that I've, I unfortunately, but fortunately, because again, it's working. So I'm grateful. I've played a lot of like, sort of like down and out, you know, multi-layered, but not always like, you know, I've never really played like girl next door, like a happy, <laughs> happy person. If you, want. I know what you mean. I know <laughs> um, what you so, mean. Yeah. And, and I, and I am happy and stuff. And like, you know, I've just, you know, there's a thing uh, being stereotyped and it's real and it's alive. <laughs> So I just think that people think I'm just some like white trash, trashy human being. And I I couldn't be further from that. So I agree with you. Can I let you know that when I think of you and, 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 and when I heard that you were going to be a guest on the show, I was thrilled because I think you're an excellent actress. (laughs) I really do. Because I just feel like you are very attractive. You have beautiful eyes, but you go, you can go so dark and people don't realize how hard it is to go dark. You know, like some people think, oh, it's cool playing a villain, but they don't realize it's like playing a villain has to have a lot of different layers mm-hmm. so that people can like you, remember you, but not hate you. Right. Oh, or yeah, right. then hate you, but then love you. Right. Exactly. Or just stay just stay um, connected to the character, even if it's bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to go dark, you know, it's it's easy because there's just there's been a lot of pain in my life and, you know, a lot of loss and stuff like that. And but but I also vouch too, like, you know, I'm tired of I don't want to kill myself again in a movie. I don't want to die of a drug overdose again. Like, yeah, I'm just sort of like, you know, what? I'm tired of dying. I want to live, you know. And so when the roles come and and stuff and and, and they have that element, you know, I've been saying no a lot and mm-hmm. I hope to still work. But I, I also just. I want to make myself proud and I know that I can break, I can break the mold. It might, it's going to take some time. Yeah. But how are you trying how do you think that you can shed that stereotype? Cause I'm going to tell you with myself, like mm-hmm. I, I would never let, I hate playing the same character over and over because right. I used to just, when I first started acting, always just get the pretty tall model type. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, I actually can act. 
So it's like yeah. I had to go and do movies where I was I was ugly, taken uh-huh. advantage of, because I was like either the pretty girl that wins or the girl next door. So I liked playing dark characters. Like I didn't oh, get sure. my street, I didn't get my street cred until I did set it off. Okay. Like Great people movie. was like, oh my God, she can be, she can be ghetto. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how are yeah. you trying to shed the stereotypes um evolving um, in your career? Well, the thing is, is like, I have a, you know, I have a bit of like a strategy on how I I think it could be done and well received. And I feel like I give this example a lot, like, instead of being like the patient at like a rehab, I'd rather be like the counselor. So it's like, you're not taking me too far out of the world that people are used to me in, you know, a troubled world, but I'm just not always the troubled one in it, maybe trying to find smaller roles here and there just to sort of like build that up. I don't know. I mean, however, it takes time, you know, things like that take time. So I got a suggestion for you. So I think for you, how you're going to be able, because I think people still kind of see you as kind of young Mm -hmm. and you're like in that in-between thing of where where I was at, where it's like, no, I'm actually a grown up. I really am a grown up. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an excellent choice for you to start playing the counselor to start mm-hmm. playing, you know what I mean? Those type of things. So I think you're on the right track with that. Yeah, I think, yeah. So it's like, as long as, as you know, as long as you, you don't take me too far out of the world, I think that, you know, cause I, it's like what Jodie Foster, who's one of my heroes, like she, she goes, she went through that a lot after the accused and, but then, but then, you know, she goes on and on and she plays, um, in Silence of the Lambs, like that's like a dream role type, that type of role. Oh my God. Yeah. You yep. know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. probably like you too. Like, I mean, that would just be incredible. You and Sheila need to look for that kind of role for you. And that, yeah. oh my Ooh. God. That, yeah. That needs to be your inspiration. <laughs> you need to put that on your vision board. Swear Wait, to God. What, hold on. What about you? Like what's, how are you been dealing in COVID? I got to flip it on you. I want to hear how you do. <laughs> you cannot interview me now. No, <laughs> <laughs> Well, believe it or not, I've been busier than ever. I mean, the, oh, pod, yeah. the podcast show has taken off. I've been Great. doing Zoom meetings. I had a film come out, Arkansas, Good. with Liam Hensward and Vince Vaughn. It's called Arkansas? Arkansas, yeah. Check it oh. out. If you're chilling at home, I played this crazy yeah. character by the name of her. And I got to <laughs> nice. Clark Duke, first-time director. So I've been busy. Then I got a show, Cocktails with Queens, that comes on every Monday that we just kind of drink and vent about life and current That's events cute. and corona. So I've been cool. busier than ever. And I moved. I got a new oh. house. Did you move from like out of state or? Oh, I still stayed in the same neighborhood. I just moved up the street to a bigger, better house with an amazing oh, view. Oh, fancy. Congrats. No, I'm still in California. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So now, cool. oh, thank you, darling. So now let's get back to you, honey. Okay. okay so now back in the day, you were part of the It Girl Click. Um, are you still friends with Paris Hilton? Yeah, we're 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 friendly. She's always like, um, she's always gallivanting <laughs> on the, you know, like Abu Dhabi and wherever the heck she's like DJing all the time. And I think um, she's DJing all over the world. Yeah. So. But yeah, she's a sweetheart. I like her. Oops, sorry. She really is. Sorry, my dog. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> you got a doggy. Who's your doggy? I have two dogs. That's I okay. Lost, that's a, girl, listen, we keep it real on this show. Who's your doggy? Tell us about your doggy. Um, well, I do a lot of animal uh, rescue uh, efforts like that. So oh, I rescued oh, two he, he girls. Sorry, I rescued two um two senior. Uh, they're a bonded pair. They're old old ladies. Um, oh, yeah, they, they have no teeth. Um, and yeah, I took them. I took them in. They were going to be euthanized, and they're so sweet. And they've 
they're just such lovely little doggies. And I just lost my my baby uh, about three weeks ago. I had her for 14 years and since mm. she was a baby and she passed away during this time as well as my grandma did. Um, mm. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been rough. Like my poor, my poor grandma, I mean, she lived, she lived a, an old, like, a long, beautiful life, but I think. How old was she? Stuff, 89. 89. Oh, she yeah. lived. Yeah. She yeah. lived. Yeah. But she has declined really quickly. My dog did too. It was so bizarre. And maybe, just, maybe it's like just the energies out there with this whole pandemic and who knows. Now you've discovered faith recently and it, you said that it's changed your life a lot. Tell us how. Well, I'm, so I grew up, I grew up uh, as a Baha'i in, in the Baha'i faith. It's, um, you can look it up if people want to. It's, it was an awesome upbringing and and, you know, I'm so happy that my mother, I always had like, you know, Sunday school and, you know, moral compass and all that. And just that it was always, always been religious, but throughout the course of my career, I've literally played, I mean, besides Pennsylvania, I've played, probably played a Christian about 20 times to where it was like, oh man, another Christian? What the? <laughs> like, you know, it was like for so long, it was. I just was like, I'll play another Christian. So, so by default, you know, I'm studying the Bible and studying quotes and such. So I play the role and believable, but, but it never sunk in. It was just like, you know, just learning, learning the lines. I mean, obviously putting fervor with it and putting, you know, heart behind it, but like, I can't really explain to you like the day it all came together, but like, I realized one fine day, I, because it's just the most magical day. I can't lie. Um, um, I was like, just like, holy, holy cow. Like mm. you've, been, you've been trying to show yourself to me for so long. Like, you know, cause Jesus just, he just tenderly taps on you. You know, he's going to be there. This isn't meant to become some type of like Christian sermon, but, um, you know, he, he, he presents himself. He's the Prince of peace, you know? So it's a very peaceful peaceful thing and, and he presented himself for so many years so tenderly just right there ready for me when I was ready and I don't really know how it happened but it's just become my number one thing in my life everything's if it doesn't fall in alignment with with that and um and what I know what the Lord wants for my life and in and, and the Bible and just how much I I follow it like then it just can't be in my life you know yeah. And that was, that was one thing that I really loved about Sheila was just her, you know, her spiritual side. It's so important mm-hmm. for me, you know, to be working around people like that. So Taryn, something that I found out about you that was really surprising is that you made music early in your career. You signed with DreamWorks. Um, are you still making music today? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I will always, ta- I'll always make music. Okay. Well, tell me what's, what style of music you making, girlfriend? <laughs> Um, well, I've always done, I mean, it's always been like, you know, kind of like dance pop or like or kind of trip hop pop. I mean, my, my band boom cat was like trip hop. Um, <laughs> what did you say the <laughs> name of your band was boom cat boom cat. Where'd you guys yeah. get that name from? Cause the boom is the kick and the cat is the snare drum. Boom cat. Ah. That's it right there, son. Ah. Ah. <laughs> okay. Oh my, my gosh. Boy. It was my brother and I, and we were like, we were like Beastie Boy, like, you know, brother, sister, team rappers. And then, and then from there, like, you know, when we got signed and my brother plays every instrument and I play too, our, our album started to become very, very musical. And so from there, it's just like, I mean, I've, I've, I've done rock, I've done 
a lot of pop, a lot of house music and like big dance, vocal dance songs. I've had like four number ones on the dance charts. Oh, um, yeah. So like EDM and stuff like that. So lately I've been playing more my guitar around the house and been writing more guitar driven um, singer songwriter type of songs, but just whatever I'm feeling, you know, I, I, I do. I don't really consider myself like a, a crazy great vocalist, but I love to sing the songs that I write. Ah, okay. What musical artists like inspire you? Um, like as a child, it was all about Michael Jackson, Prince. Oh, <laughs> and um, and then as I got older, it became about like Fiona Apple and Alanis Morissette, and then like Nirvana, and and then always, I mean, always in the back. I mean, it's always been Prince, Michael, Whitney, Aaliyah. I mean, I mean, pretty much all all the ones that aren't with us anymore. To be honest with you, that's so trippy, Taryn. Can I tell you in my house, yeah. I have portraits um, of Michael. Prince, mm-hmm, me too, and Whitney Houston. Oh my gosh! And, and I swear to God, but all of them are all the way I like to remember them because it's I just, too. I just think that like you know the press and everything is like they 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 can turn these people who are such great artists and into a way that's just like not the way that I want to remember them. So I'm so happy to oh. hear that you said that those that they inspired you because oh my gosh, you, you know? would think my house was like a. You know, I'm like, is it getting kind of like, because I have David Bowie too in here. Yeah. I have, I have Elvis, I have Prince, I have Aaliyah and I have Michael and and I adored Michael. And I don't, honestly, I choose not to believe any, any of those allegations. I just don't, I just don't buy it. Thank you. I just feel that he was a victim of like, you know, falling in careless hands and people wanting money off of him. It it kills him. Like he's so sensitive. And and I and honestly, I had no idea that Prince struggled the way he did. I didn't I know. know that. Wasn't that such a huge surprise? I was shocked. I was shocked by that. I mean, one. I did like, not see that coming. When his death happened, I was just like, "Oh my God, what?" I know because he seemed like he was so healthy. Wasn't he like a vegan? And yeah. And yeah. he was always popping up at like, you know, little bars and clubs all over LA. Like he would just show up and start just ripping on the guitar somewhere. Oh my, did you ever go to a Prince party? Oh, uh, at his house? Yeah. No, no. But I, but oh I, my I God. Been, it was a bomb, girl. Wow. Because he would like go it? until like four o'clock in the morning. It was like you'd hear like, oh, hey, you guys are having a party, da 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 da. And so uh-huh. you get there, and the next thing you know, out walks Prince. And then oh he starts God. performing. Oh my God. Hey, you know, he's so good. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. I mean, and he, I think live, it was almost better than what was in the studio because he would just give it a wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, he was awesome. When I went to his concert and oh, I was at um remember what's that place on um on uh, Fairfax is it Largo? Does that sound familiar? It's like like people like do stand up there. He showed up one night. He's so uh-huh. little. Yes. Two bodyguards and then he gets up on stage and it was like it was up close and personal and he starts he starts doing it and then I went to his big concert and he played like some of his biggest hits like Little Red Corvette and like let's go crazy on acoustic. Yeah. And it was and it was so much better. I mean, it was just without all the music and you could just hear him. Just supreme. He was supreme. So Taryn, can we expect any future albums from you? Yeah, for sure. I have, I mean, I have about a hundred and like eleven <gasps> unreleased songs. I, I put out something on Instagram the other day that I wrote. Uh-huh. I didn't like do any like press behind it, but I just kind of wanted to just test it and see if people liked liked it. If you want to check the it react- out. What was the reaction? People liked it. They said they liked it. 
this one's cool. It's like more pop and it has a big gospel choir at the end. I wrote it about my dad who who took his own life when I was 14. But yeah, it's pretty emotional. It's a good emotional kind of R&B pop song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Taryn, what drives yes. you? What drives you the most? Oh boy. Um, hmm. What drives me? Well, I'm highly competitive and I'm just going to start there only because like I told you about my, my youth, um, I was also like, like I wanted to do every sport, every baton twirling soccer I played. I played baseball, I played softball, I roller skated, but then I got into martial arts and then I became the number one in the state of Arizona co-ed. So I could, I could fight, you know, I learned how to fight and I became, I went up to a third degree green belt and I, and I bought off, I won trophies taller than me. Um, for two years straight, I was the reigning champion in the, in the children, you know, just, just nailing it. And then I, and then I, and then I got second place and I quit. So I was a sore loser. <laughs> you said fuck losing. Okay. But, but check it. So this is, this was going to end up being a huge lesson in my life because what happened was, is I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the shit. I got this. And so my friend was coming up hot on my heels. She was practicing harder. She wanted it. She wanted to take the, you know, the, the first place. And I was slacking. Lo and behold, we get up to spar and she, she, you know, she won. She won first, my best friend, Selena. And I was horrified, but it was such a message of like, when you're on top, how to stay on top. You got to stay on top, you know? Mm-hmm. So what drives me is, is competition. Like when I go into an audition or I know that I'm up against, you know, there's a few girls, like I put on this competitive sort of, I know that it's, um, it's best man for the job with acting, but for me, it's it's the best gets it gets the job, you know. So it's yeah. like that drives me. Comp- healthy competition drives me. Um, you know, saving children and animals drives me. Drives my like bigger purpose on this planet. Um, the the things that really like, man, if I could make a difference in some of this horrifying stuff that that happens to yeah. animals and children, um, that's a whole other horse of another color. But um. I'm vegan as well. I'm mm-hmm. very, very strict vegan. Um, I don't want to eat any animal products. And yes, I just don't believe that you should put anything dead inside of you when um, it's inevitable that we're going to die. So it's like, why would you want to like, um, you know, why would you want to like exacerbate what's inevitable by putting like dead foods within you? So I have a whole like like health stuff drives me. And, and obviously christianity and jesus christ drives me and in love you know just love and happiness and peace yeah well talking about that before we close out um what tips could you uh pass on to aspiring actors or those wanting to get into the entertainment business sure um well i said something earlier um one thing that i've always you know when i'm talking to hopeful and you know i always say guess what you can you can make it i did I didn't know anybody. I didn't, you know, I, I, I don't, I have a face for radio. I mean, look at me, <laughs> just kidding. But, <laughs> but beautiful. it's like, it's not the prettiest person that's going to win. It's not the most handsome. It's, it's the one it's like, I say this, what's in a chocolate chip cookie, right? You need the chocolate chips. You need the egg, you need the, the dough, you need the sugar, or else if you're missing one of those ingredients, you don't have a chocolate chip cookie. You might have a cookie. So I say, you have to have all the ingredients. And, and to me, that's being a nice, professional, prepared actor. And basically, you just always have to c- continue to hone your craft, hone the craft, sharpen the tools, sharpen the tools. 
take good care of yourself, your body, most importantly, your mind, and mm-hmm. make sure that you have nothing but self-love because it's a town that'll tear you up and smash you into smithereens and not even look back or help you, not even put you in the trash can once they do it. So that if you don't have this self-love within you, and, and, and to love yourself sounds so cliche, but there's no love that can happen until that happens first. Absolutely. Well, because I'm going to tell you. In the place. Yes. Well, you, as you said, choose you, love you. All right. Well, that leads us perfectly to today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag choose you. Taryn talked about shedding stereotypes and reinventing yourself. And that's the truth. No matter what career path you're on, always leave them guessing. I've done that time and time again in my own career. It's about moving forward, knowing you're powerful and making the right choices to find fulfillment. From writing a book, to being on Empire, to hosting a talk show, to producing movies on Lifetime, to starting the Vivica Fox hair collection, and now this podcast. Y'all know my hustle don't stop. So darlings, do you, choose you, stay true to you and your goals. Taryn, tell our folks where we can find you on social media. Um, Yeah, so I'm on there as Taryn Manning. That's T-A-R-Y-N-M-A-N-N-I-N-G. And that's across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Is um just my name in full. All right. And you can follow your girl at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter and at Miss B Fox on Instagram. And for the podcast, it's at Vivica Hustling. Subscribe, download, and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Until next time, darlings. Bye for now. Wow.